love. Some would say it took a backseat when the pandemic forced us apart. As a family-run and proudly Canadian-owned company, Charm Diamond Centres saw the need to bring us together with tales of love and created the Canadian Love Map podcast. Since then, we've shared hundreds of real, uplifting stories that prove love conquers all. So thank you for listening. We couldn't do it without you. And remember, love starts here. Hi, I'm Nancy Regan. Thanks for tuning in. Over the summer months, the Canadian Love Map team is hard at work finding new stories for our upcoming seventh season. In the meantime, we're dipping into the vault to share some of our favorite episodes of all time. Enjoy this Love Map Gold. We'll be back with season seven in September. Hi, I'm Nancy Regan. This week's love story belongs to Sean Leonard of Millbrook First Nation in Mi'kma'ki. Sean is an Aboriginal psychic medium and the star of APTN's TV show, Spirit Talker. As he puts it, his work is all about love, helping people heal through connecting them to lost loved ones. Whether you're a believer or a skeptic, I think you'll be intrigued by our conversation. This is the Canadian Love Map. Sean, it's wonderful to see you again. Well, very nice to see you, Nancy. Thank you for having me. It's been a few years since I've seen you in person, but I've seen you all around and you've been very busy. I'm I'm pretty much always busy. I, I'm living my life to the fullest and, you know, expressing my 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 life to the greatest expression that I can in every way that I feel that I'm here to kind of fulfill that purpose. And I, I just feel engaged and I'm really grateful that I'm the creator has uh, allowed me to be as engaged in life as I am with all the things that I do. That's beautifully put. And I, I love that you mentioned purpose right off the top, because I know when it comes to the spirit world and communication with the spirit world, there are a lot of naysayers out there, a lot of skeptics, and they might jump to the conclusion, you know, the wrong conclusion about who you are and what you do yeah. just from hearing what your life is all about. But from my perspective, what I've seen of you, it's your life is very purpose driven. Oh, it is absolutely purpose driven. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I think we all have a purpose in life that we're here to fulfill some expression for the time that we're here in life. And some people fulfill that to their greatest ability that they can. And some people just touch that. And, and I think the creator, if I may say, I don't believe it's a man or woman, but a, a force that exists within the universe that exists within all of us that we're part of. You know, I believe that we all have many lifetimes and some people may only touch on a small part of their purpose in this one lifetime. And it may take several lifetimes before they actually fulfill that purpose. Yeah. Your purpose has a lot to do with love, doesn't it? I mean, every, we are love. I mean, if you break it right down, we come from unconditional love and we forget that we're a part of that aspect of, you know, everything that's in the universe. I mean, in Mi'kmaq language, we have a word called Emsit Melgama, which means all of my relations. And it's part of all of our ceremonies. And the, the reason why we use that word is, is the, the remembering of the connection between everything 
the rocks, the trees, the air, the sun, the earth, are our fellow brothers and sisters. And not just in this world, but our fellow brothers and sisters in other worlds. It's just, we're all connected. And, you know, spirituality, it's been saying this for a long time, that we're all connected. Mm -hmm. And then science is like, you know, there's been this big disconnect with naysayers, skeptics, and maybe perhaps people who feel like that, that those things don't actually go together. But, you know, there's a lot of science coming out today, like quantum physics, that says, well, guess what? We're all connected. There's an invisible field of energy that surrounds us all. Mm-hmm. And it's quicker than the speed of light. It's there. And it's how we interact with it that connects us. And it can be connected through our emotions, through our heart, through our... our um, you know, our words that we speak, it, it, it all has power in that emset nogama, that, that, that whole, the wholeness of everything. It's interesting that you bring in science because science, I feel like our world in general is coming to understand that the indigenous peoples have had it right. Like in terms of the environment, for instance, you know, we're, we're, coming around to realizing, oh my goodness, we need to honor and revere our indigenous uh, members of society rather than the opposite, you know, the way we've treated them through generations. Well, I think, you know, generational trauma, whether it goes to indigenous people or all people, I mean, even European people have been traumatized by their own themselves. And um, I mean, a lot of the reasons why even, you know, uh, other people came to this world that we have existed in is because they were fleeing the 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 hardship that they were struggling through there. Mm-hmm. They were they were running from fear, and that fear um, exists because of our thinking, because of of not having enough or feeling like that. There's, you know, we need to have more land or more this and more that. It's 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 it, it's ego in a mm-hmm. sense that disconnects us from that. You know, this is all of ours. Canada and North America, I mean, all the indigenous people that were here when Europeans came over, I mean, we were, um, you know, wanted to share. I mean, we even said that it wasn't ours. I mean, we we existed here. I mean, we couldn't own anything, but we didn't understand ownership. And then that, that, I'll call it that virus or that virus mental thinking was brought here in a sense, okay, well, this is mine and this is yours. And and then that that just grew and it grew and grew. It spread like a virus, like it wildfire. Has. Unfortunately, I mean, we, we've we been disconnected in that balance of uh, nature and, and uh, you know, joy and, 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 and loving our surroundings in the way that we should. I mean, we think when we love ourselves, I mean, which is a big part of being in the world, but you also have to make sure that you love everything that you're connected to and treat it with respect, that you treat it with kindness and compassion. We can expect that for ourselves, but we don't expect that for the ocean or the air or the trees or the forest. I mean, it's 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 sad that it's taken this long for us to say, hey, maybe we're having a massive impact on our environment and maybe we're approaching it wrong and maybe we can change the way we do approach it. And, you know, indigenous people may help, you know, help everyone remember in some way that respect that that M Sitnogama, that connection between us all. M Sitnogama. Yeah. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, I love that. You talk about connectedness and being disconnected and awakening basically to the connection. You had a time in your life when you were disconnected and you had an awakening. Do you want to tell me about that? Well, I'm still awakening. 
Yeah, hallelujah. It's a process, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to get there. It's a process that we're all going through at different stages. And, um, you know, I don't look at myself as being greater or, or better than anyone else. I mean, I'm here living my life and expressing my myself the greatest way that I can, that everyone else hopefully is as well. And, um, you know, we're, you know, it's a learning process that's going to continue not only through this one lifetime, but through or a multitude of lifetimes that we're, we will still live. So let's talk about when you awakened to your gift then. Okay. Is that a better framing of it? Well, even that through life, it's been re revealing itself Yeah. through subtle little things that have happened in my lifetime. And that's why I wrote my first book, The Language of Spirit. Um, and I'm writing a new book for Heos um, called Spirit Talker, Stories from an Indigenous Medium. And it's, it's a continuation of those stories. And, um, you know, it started when I was young, um, having connection to my great grandparents and, you know, losing uh, a very dear friend. Um, and I was only a young boy and trying to understand the concept of, you know, what I was being taught that a death was. And, and I've come to look at that so differently because I don't, I don't even believe in death anymore. I don't believe death exists. It's just like a belief you can have a belief, but it can change. And death is the same. I mean, when you think that it's a f finale or something that ends that no longer exists anymore. But what, what, from my experience through my life, from a very young age, I'm being taught that that's not the case, that, you know, your loved ones, the people that care about you, your ancestors are still with you. Even if you only catch glimpses of them here and there or a sign or a symbol or a dream that they've always been with us. They've never been disconnected. And there's no such thing as death. They're still very much alive, just in a different form. There's a beautiful poem by, I think, Nancy Bird Turner that frames death as just a door in a garden wall. Yeah. And we just cross the threshold. Yeah. And I have always thought that was really powerful. So what was it that really woke you up to your gift of being able to help others through your connection to the spirit world? Well, I mean, that, that's a tough question to answer in some sense, because it's not one thing. There's been many things. Okay. It's, so one, it's been revealed a little bit over time. Um, the biggest connection I've ever had, uh, you know, especially when I was young, other than my great grandparents was my, my father mm -hmm. at 15 years old. Um, having a massive heart attack out on the driveway on October 16th, 1987, where um, I went out to, um, at my mom's request, because she woke me up at five o'clock in the morning saying, hey, your dad is laying in the driveway, go help him. I have to call 911. I'm calling an ambulance. And, and I went out to help my father, who I saw, I didn't see immediately either, which still puzzles me to this day. It was like he was invisible to me. And then I went out and I ran back in the house and even told my mom, I said, well, you know, dad's not out there. I don't know what you're talking about. And she actually had to physically take me, point me at my dad, and then I could see him. To me, he wasn't there. Wow. And then I, because I had been a Boy Scout at 15 and, and knew very little about resuscitating anybody in life, I did what I thought um, would help somebody, you know, overcome whatever he had happened. He wasn't breathing. So I started CPR you know, chest compressions and CPR, which seemed like an eternity. But even though I was doing this, I could feel in my heart my father wasn't in there. 
And as I was doing the compressions, I started to speak to him. I started to talk to him outside of his form. And even though I couldn't see him, I felt he was there. And I was angry with him. And I, and I really wanted him to get back into his body. And I cursed at him and, and I continued CPR. And it just felt like in my heart, I knew no matter what I said or no matter what I did, he wasn't coming back. So some neighbors come down, continued CPR for another half hour until the ambulance arrived. And, and you know, I had to accept at that point that my father was no longer going to be in his physical body. And I struggled. I mean, everybody struggles through grief in different ways. And you know, that's a learning process in itself. And it was about a year later. I was downstairs sleeping on my mom's couch in her rec room. And I woke up, or I thought I had woke up. And I stepped out of my body because I could still see myself sleeping. And I thought that was kind of odd. But then when I looked at the other side of the room, a white light started to appear. And the light got larger and larger. And it just was the whitest light I've ever seen. And as I looked at the light, I walked my dad. And for the life of me, even to this day, I, I, I don't know why, but my dad was wearing a white robe. <laughs> I thought, okay, dad, what the heck you wearing? <laughs> I mean, this, my dad was a hunter, a drinker, you know, he, not, not heavily drinker, but he, he was in the Navy, you know, um, you know, he worked on cars. It's, it's not what you expect your dad to be wearing. You had never seen him in a white robe I've never before. seen him. Maybe a house coat, but never the white robe. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but he looked younger, healthier, happy and joyful and present. And, and I was still angry. And I wanted to express that anger to him. And he wouldn't even allow me, in a sense. He says, Sean, calm down. And I, and I calmed down. He says, I'm only here for a very short time, and I have to tell you some things. So I need you to listen. He says, we all have a purpose in life. And he says, I fulfilled my purpose. He said, the greatest gift of love I could give you, and this is going to be tough for me, because he said, the greatest gift of love I could give you is to leave your life to help you become who you were meant to be. And I said, why? Why would you do such a thing? And he said, because you're supposed to be helping people one day. And I said, how? He said, you got to remember this light because one day you're going to help people remember this. And you're going to help people understand they too have a purpose. And I said, okay. I said, you're going to be helping connect people to this light. And people like me within it. I said, how am I supposed to do this? Because you don't have to do anything. It's just going to happen. And then he showed me two things. Because even though he's telling me this, I, to me it's just gibberish. Because all I can think about is this light. And I see it. And it feels like it's home. I, that unconditional light that you hear from people who've had near-death experiences. Mm -hmm. That's what it was. And all I could feel was, oh, my God, I'm in some type of matrix, fake reality, and this is the real home, and that's where my dad is. I want to go. And I tried to walk around my dad, and my dad said, no, you have to fulfill your purpose. And I said, well, I'll just go for a minute. And I knew I was lying because if I could get my, literally my arse in there, there's no way you're getting it back. <laughs> and then he showed me two things, potential futures. He showed me what it would look like for my mom if I left. And I felt all of her emotion. And I got to feel, you know, everything that she'd go through for the next seven years. I mean, she just lost my dad. 
And then I saw and felt what my mom would go through for the next seven years, and it was hard. And she would grieve and struggle and just very have a hard time and, and not even be a great mom for my, my brother, James. And then I got to see what it would look like for my brother. And he would struggle. He would overcome it um, much quicker than my mom would. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it was my mom. I mean, it would two hardships, two losses in a row would be a setback for her that would be like enormously hard for her to overcome. She would overcome it eventually. And my dad said, no, you're not going. He says, I need you to remember what I said. And he touched me in my forehead and I woke up on the couch. And then I, I got up off the couch and I stared at the back wall and I'm like, was you know, I mean, that would seem real. Like, this doesn't seem real. And I'm trying to comprehend what just happened. And um, and I get up, and, I, and my mom got up, and I told her. I said, Mom, you're not going to guess who came to me. And I thought my mom would be really happy. And she was really angry. Why? She says, why would you? And she said a few other words, but she'll say, why did your dad come to you and not me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm the one that's struggling really hard. But she was in a different place in her grief than I was. I mean, when you're young... And you have loss, you know, you st- you know, we still grieve. I mean, children grieve just differently, yeah, a little bit differently than maybe adults that become more emotionally attached or have had relationships with people where they define their life based upon that relationship. And my dad was in the Navy. He was gone a lot. So I, I kind of got used to my dad being away. It was like spirit had already been preparing me for that day that he would be gone. Laying the groundwork. Yeah, yeah, in a sense. And um, and since that day, I still have a relationship with my dad. I've had a couple of dreams of him, never as profound as the one that I had. And he still shows up in my life here and there. Not maybe as often I would even like him to be. I know he's there. Mm-hmm. And to tell you one other story yeah, before you, you ask me another oh question gosh. that I think just to kind of exemplify. Um, this year I've turned 50. And uh, last year, when I turned 49, I haven't had a real strong connection with my dad in some time. So I, 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 I spoke to him because I feel like when you love somebody and you're connected to somebody, that relationship doesn't die. You can still communicate to them. They still hear you. Mm-hmm. And that's my understanding. And that's my belief wholeheartedly. And I did that. I talked to my dad. I said, Dad. And my dad would often send me dimes or, or blue jay feathers or things like that to let me know he's around. And I hadn't got a dime in forever. And I said, you know, Dad, I really like my birthday's coming up. I said, I'd really like for you to send me a, at least a couple of dimes to let me know that you're around. Because I haven't felt you in a while. Mm-hmm. So I, I spoke aloud and I forgot about it. It was probably a few weeks before my birthday. And um, sure enough, my birthday rolls around. And uh, Michelle... My fiance um, is off to work and I wake up and I'm, I'm my whole decision about my birthday is I'm going to chill at home today and I'm not going to do anything. I'm not shaving. I'm not showering. <laughs> I'm just putting on a baseball hat. I'm just going to be a bummer around the house. It's a me day. Right. And I even put up my hat the night before on, on, on my, on my dresser. And then I went to get my hat and in front of my hat was two dimes. <laughs> and I know they weren't there than when I went to sleep. Because I put that hat there with the whole intention. I had the whole plan already planned out. So I called Michelle. I said, Michelle, when you got up, did you put any dimes in front of my hat? She's like, no, I don't have any my any money in my wallet. Why would I be putting money in front of your hat? And she goes, I know. I, I mean, I'm thinking it's my dad. So I hung up with Michelle. 
And I just stood there and I could feel my dad. And I started to talk to him. I said, dad, you know, I, I'm hundred percent sure you put those dimes there. And I want you to know, I'm so grateful and thankful that you remembered my request. And you know, it is my birthday. I'm 49. I mean, my dad died at 42 years old, very young. So to me, every year of life is a gift that I see that my dad uh, couldn't express in his physical life, although I feel like he was really not meant to be. And I, after I spoke to him I, I, and I really felt his presence, I started to walk away. And the latch on my dresser picked up and dropped by itself. And it startled me a little bit. But I knew it was just his way of saying, I hear you. I wow. want you to know I hear you. And, and I saw it come up by itself and it went cling. And it was subtle, but it was enough to let me know that he was really listening and he was there. So it may surprise people since your gift is to communicate with spirit through being a medium that you don't hear your voice, your dad's voice. I sometimes do not because when I do intentional work with people and I'm opening myself up to people on the other side to communicate through me and to me, right. I don't know any information. So when I get things, I know it's coming from spirit because it's not my stuff. And when I'm connecting to my dad or I think about my dad, it's a, it's a little harder sometimes because I have all of my own thoughts. Right. And I, and I know that story. I know this connection. I know that we went fishing or this or that or whatever. So sometimes I think it's my own brain. You remembering my dad thinking yeah, about playing him, right? tricks on you. Right. Of. It's not really playing tricks. Um, it's just not, I don't feel it's as intentional. Okay. Where they're reaching out to to be infused in your mind with a thought. And when I connect to other people in spirit world, I feel that intention. I feel there's a purpose. I feel when I open up and I create space in my mind, they put things in there. I see things. I feel things. I hear things. Sometimes I just know things. And it, it to me, it's incredible. Now, with my own family, there's, it's more subtle. I think of my dad, but I just talk to him. Um, every moment that I have a thought of my father gives me an opportunity to have a, re a continued relationship with him. So I just talk to him like he's still part of my life rather than thinking he has to even put some visual thing in there or to validate through some other way because I know he's really there. I don't need him to validate he's there. I just need to know sometimes that he is around. And that's why I ask for like a special sign occasionally. And it's been years since I've done that. And, but he's come through and sometimes I've had to ask him for like weeks on end and then it really happens profoundly, but he's aligning it all to make it happen. I mean, if I think it's our egotistical self to think that we have to have a request and it has to be snap answered in instantly. It, yeah. They don't act like that. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> time is so much different over there too. Mm -hmm. And our time and their time are, are different and they, they live with no time. And we live within the concept of time because we we measure it based upon our days, our hours, the, our lifetime and such. But when you live forever and you have no time and you just exist by pure consciousness or form if you choose to take it, that it, it's they don't have a watch going, okay, well, Tuesday I have to make sure I get this done for them or whatever. <laughs> Although my birthday was one of those cool things. It's a great lesson, though, that we can all just 
very simply talk to those we've lost rather than needing a big ceremony or, you know, have, having to be very intentional. The idea of just weaving them into our lives is right. lovely. In, in, in indigenous culture, it, that, it's been part of that where we would speak to our ancestors. All of our ceremonies in indigenous culture are in connection and inviting our ancestors to be part of those ceremonies. It's like a normal thing. Mm -hmm. It's not something strange. It's just something that is a customary thing. And to outsiders, they may think that that's a little odd or different. I mean, especially if you feel disconnected from everything. But Indigenous people are more connected in that sense where maybe some people disbelieve, but I think for the most part, it, the people who practice ceremony would have to have some type of belief in that invitation, inclusion with our people that we love. This podcast is brought to you by Charm Diamond Centres, Canada's largest family-owned jewellery store. They are proud to be putting love on the map. And the staff at Charm Diamond Centers are thrilled to be a part of your love story too. So visit CharmDiamondCenters.com or one of your local stores. Love starts here. Through your show, Spirit Talker, you are being able to share your message and your practices with such a wide audience. Right. How, has that, how has that served your work? Well, Spirit Talker is an extension of my work. It's the it's the work I've been doing all of my life since working as a professional uh, Spirit Talker, a psychic medium, as some people may know that as. Mm -hmm. Spirit Talker allows me to get out there in a different way and show what's possible, how spirit can and does communicate, that, you know, how this language works with communication uh, from spirit through seeing things, feeling things, hearing things, and, and incorporating it all together to help people to know that one, validate that they're with them. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the time it has to do with healing because people have so many unresolved or anger issues in regards to a person that lost uh, or they, they don't feel them around. So I, I help them remember that they're still connected, but I also help them through the healing process of grief and that loss where they feel like they can't work it out with their spirit people where they are. And they believe that they need me. They do not, mm -hmm. but they believe they do. But I think when you come to a person like me and you're part of the process, after you leave, you know, you realize you didn't really need me. I just helped you see that it's possible and it's real. But they have been always there with you and for you for that connection yourself. Can I offer a metaphor? Sure. Okay. So I see you as a divine electrician yeah. who connects the wires, but then they realize they have their own switch. They're like, yeah, this is not that hard at all. Yeah. <laughs> Turn it on and off. Right. And so often we're off as we move through the world. Yeah. So what is the enduring and um, most frequent sense of how you're helping people when you're working with I don't know, clients or, or people in an audience. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to you in terms of how you're helping them? Well, it brings me joy. I have enormous amounts of joy connecting to spirit. Do you? I do. I feel very happy when I'm connecting because it's something, it, it, it's no different than somebody who is an artist or plays music or sings or, or, or or whatever, that if they, they don't do it because 
people are watching. They're home playing songs because they brings them joy. They're painting. I mean, it's great that people may buy that piece of art, but they're going to paint anyway. And that's how I feel about my spirit connections. And when I do it publicly, I want people to see how this works. Because, you know, in a session, an audience session, I may only read maybe 15 different people there, and there may be 15 different families. And there's like 560 people there. Mm-hmm. Even if I read those 15, 16 people, there's like 500 other people that are going to walk out of there going, I think I know how this works. I know how spirit connects. I know how spirit communicates. And I'm part of that. They're part of my life. And if it's possible for me, it's possible for them. And then the disbelief. And I have a lot of people who have been skeptics or whatever. And some people still are. And that that it doesn't even bother me. Yeah, because, it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, you know, at the end. We're all going to make that blink experience to the other side, whether you believe, disbelieve or not. And we'll talk about it over there. You can say, I told you so. <laughs> I don't even care to say I told you so, because it's really maybe that's they don't you know for the life that they're expressing. Maybe they they're not meant to delve in this area or maybe they're not ready on their evolutional soul's process to be enwrapped in spirit yet. And that's OK, because that's their soul journey. And I honor it. And that mutual respect, I respect whether you believe, disbelieve, and, you know, respect my belief or disbelief. And that's okay. It's a mutual thing. It's it's that unconditional love. I, you know, I love you for who you are. And I just want people to love me for who I am and, and how I express my life and my connection to spirit. Oh, that's so well put. You know, if we could, if we could live in a world where we weren't constantly judging each other and right. assessing and deciding if they're worthy. <laughs> right. And there's so many people out there saying so many negative things, but they're only saying it because that's the voices that are inside them. And what they have inside them is coming out. So when they speak negatively about you, me, or whoever, it's it's the voice that they keep hearing about themselves sometimes and they're judging themselves. And that's okay. Nobody is looking down from the spirit world going, okay, you're going to hell. <laughs> there is no hell. You might have to live a few more lifetimes, but you're going to get this. <laughs> you know, I had the experience of being in an audience yeah. a few years ago, and it was because my friend was producing your show. And I was, you know, I've always had a, a bit of a skeptical mind. I am of two minds. Like there's part of me that is very spiritual and it has taken time to allow it right. to be in control right. and let the skepticism go. But your being in the audience at your show helped me a lot because I knew I knew the producer and his integrity and he talked so much about your integrity. And I also witnessed that uh, a famous medium from the States was there. You were opening for him and he was blown away by yeah. you. Well, I mean, I, I don't want to let my ego get the better of me, but I, I do what I do. I do the best that I can. And it's just it's just music. We play different music, but it's we're still mu- musicians. Mm-hmm. I respect his music and I and I respect how well he plays his music. Well, he was a big fan of your music that day, I remember. Can you give us an example of one of your favorite uh, experiences connecting someone to spirit? That's a tough question. Oh, I know. I've had so many, literally like tens of thousands of experiences of connecting to spirit. I'll tell you one, and it's, it's a story in my book, Danny Glover. Well, he came to one of my shows at the forum like way back when, 
Um, this was probably about seven or eight years ago when I first started doing like live events. But he he came to a, an event at the forum. Someone else bought him a ticket. And he didn't even use, he didn't want his real name used because he was so worried that maybe this was all rigged somehow. <laughs> so he came and I walked up to him. I said, "Do you have a mom named Mildred?" Passed, and he said, "No." I said, "Are you sure?" <laughs> Just no, no. I, my yeah, no. I said, "Okay." Well, remember I said this, and I went on. Oh, wow. And that was it. I mean, I don't remember having that conversation. But here I am at Costco one day, and this is the day <laughs> at Costco that I'm not going to get a cart. I'm just going to buy what I can, fit in my arms, grab what I can. My arms are full, but I, my stomach starts growling. I'm going I'm to get a hot dog. Okay. And that's the only thought in my head. And I go to the hot dog line, and um, this guy, this young man, turns around. And he goes, oh, my God, you're Sean Leonard. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, who are you? He goes, well, I, I'm Dan. I'm Dan. Okay. Well, very nice to meet you. He's got two little girls with him. I said, so nice to meet you. I talked to them for a minute. He goes, and I said, how, how, how did we meet before? He goes, well, I came to your event at the forum. He says, I've regretted this since the day that I was there because you looked right at me and come right up to me and said, do you have a mom named Mildred? And he says, I do. Oh, and he said no. And she's been dead for 20 some years. And he says, today's her birthday. And I said, well, well, I mean, at least you know that I made a connection to her, right? And I said, well, you know, obviously she was trying to get your attention. And uh, he got his hot dog and pop and he went to sit down and uh, I get my hot dog and pop. So I turned around at Costco because there, there's picnic table style seating. And there's only four spots at every table. Everyone's full but his. <laughs> ah, Okay. Dan. <laughs> Follow the breadcrumbs. <laughs> right. Would you mind if I sat here? And he says, no, I was really hoping that you would ask. And then I started talking to him. I said, so your mom says you were just at her grave. And uh, I said, would you be okay if I connected to her? And he says, yes, please. So I started connecting. I said, so you were just at her grave in Newfoundland, were you? And he says, yeah. She says, you put something there for him. I don't know if it's a tree or a flower. And he goes, um, what did you say? I said, you just planted a tree or something there for you. She says she really likes it. Because that's so weird. I just was there uh, a couple of days ago. I just got home and today's actually her birthday. And um, you know what was weird? He said, as I was walking to Costco, I planted a blue juniper tree on her on her grave. And I've been thinking about my mom all day. And when I walked in the Costco, they were planting blue junipers outside. And I thought of my mom. He says, now I'm sitting with you. And he says, this is getting kind of surreal, he said. And I just planted a blue juniper on her grave. I said, so your mom died on fire. And she wants you to know she didn't suffer. And I could see tears coming down his face. He doesn't, he can't talk at this point. He's like, just frozen. And he's in Costco. Costco, we're sitting yeah. down. He goes, I don't know if I can do this, man. And uh, he says, you know what? That's why I couldn't do it in the forum. He says, there's so many people. I just couldn't do it. I said, well, there's only you listening to me right now. Nobody's watching you. And I said, um, she died in a fire. She wants you to know she wasn't alone. I feel like she was there with her sister. And, and he goes, yeah, she died with her sister in the house. I said, she tried to get out. And I don't know what you know or don't know. He says, well, I've been told that she died in her bed and she didn't suffer and she died of smoke inhalation. I said, she did die of smoke inhalation. She tried to get out, but she collapsed on the door on the way up, but she didn't feel anything. He goes, well, I don't know. I'll have to check that out. I said, well, remember that I said it. And then I said, you know, she wants me to validate your children, that she sees them and that she loves them. And you know, she's so proud of you and all this. And, and he's crying and, and he can't take it. And he's okay, you have to stop. I said, okay, we can stop. 
And then we eat our hot dog and we just chit chat about other things. And then his mom grabs me by my arm here and he's wearing a hoodie with a long sleeve shirt. And I said, one other thing. Your mom wants me to talk about the tattoo you have there on your arm that she really likes. And he pulls down his hoodie and his mom's face is there. She says she really likes it. And she wanted to make sure you knew that before you went. And he goes, that's it. Stop. And then he leaves. And that was the only day I've ever been without a cart. And, and I mean, me being the lineup, him being there and all that happening on her birthday. And then I was writing my book with Renee. And I said, and she asked me, do you have any like those Teresa Caputo stories where you're just out and about? And I'm like, it's funny you just mentioned that. I just had one not too long ago. I was at Costco. I tell her the story and she's like, I love it. I want, but you need to reach out to him and get his permission. I'm like, I don't know who he is. His name is Dan. Yeah, you don't know his last name. <laughs> I didn't know he's Dan Glover. But she goes, well, see if you can find him on your Facebook or somewhere out there. I'm like, man, I've got like 20 some thousand people on my like page. You think I'm just going to like find him on there? And she's like, just try, you know, because I think it'd be a good story. And I'm like, OK, he's not on my friends list. And and um, I have no Dan's. And I, and I really don't know who he is. So I just asked Spirit. I said, you know, you need to help me. Boom. Get a message. It's from a guy named Dan Glover. He goes, you remember when I ran into you at Costco a few weeks ago? I'm like, oh, holy smokes, this is awesome. I said, Dan, yeah, I was just talking about you because I was just thinking about you and that whole thing. I called the fire department where my mom, who helped my mom back in the day, and you were right. They didn't tell me the truth. She did try to get out and she did collapse in the door, but she died from smoke inhalation in the doorway. And, for, and then he told me the story about, well, my, me and my dad went fishing for the weekend and my, my mom and her sister stayed back and were drinking and and... You know, they drank a little bit because they were having a little party between the two of them and, and they cooked French fries and then they both passed out. And then, you know, the house caught on fire and the smoke had taken their life, unfortunately. And he goes, you know, I want you to know how much that meant to me. He says, you've changed my life. I've always wanted to know my mom was okay. See, I find it even hard to talk about him because it's so emotional for me to know how much of an impact that you can have in somebody's life when you make a connection. It's, 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 it's very, I, I, I honor it with the highest respect and I, I, you know, thank you spirit for trusting me because they have to trust me because I don't know everything, but I trust what they show me. And, um, I said, you know, I'm writing a book. I said, I don't know if you're open to this, but I talked to my writer about this story and she said she really liked it and she wanted to share it. I said, what if I give her my perspective? You call her and give her your perspective. She'll write it. And if you like it, we'll put it in the book. He says, you know, I, I would love that. He says, again, you don't know how much this meant to me. I've been telling everybody since I met you. And, uh, you know, you expect a lot of people to call. I said, please don't have anybody call me. But, <laughs> <laughs> but this is someone who is really closed-minded about he, it. He, and you've completely broken him open. Yeah. He, he he had so much fear in relation to... I mean, he loves his mom. He was doing things to honor her. He was planting the tree. He still has a relationship with her. But he hadn't had something tangible to let him know that she was aware of all that. And I think that connection will even shift the relationship even more. So he doesn't, he's not calling me, Sean, can I have a reading on Saturday? It's because it's not about that. It's about him continuing that relationship with his mom that still exists. Because she, she's his mom. She loves him. She will always love him. That will never end no matter where you are. So I know that she's with him all the time off and on and he'll have his own experiences and things and he doesn't need me. And that's the gift that I feel like I give people.
You don't need me. Yeah. So what is your hope for the future in terms of how you share your gift and how it grows and serves the world? Well, I mean, I, like I said, my I'm still I'm still living. I'm still here. I have my own soul purpose that is going to continue. And, you know, spirits teach me all the time different uh, ways to communicate, different, um, I call them um, part of my vocabulary. My vocabulary on how they communicate to me grows all the time. And I mean, it becomes more enriched, more knowledgeable. So when they show me something in a certain way, I'm like, oh, okay, I know exactly what that means. And then I'm like, okay, you know, and I relate it to that person. It, it, you know, I'm still learning. Like it's, it's a growing vocabulary. It's a growing language mm -hmm. that never ceases and never stops that how spirit can communicate to me to help me understand something that helps someone else is an evolution. It's a continued evolution that is taking place. I, in turn, I teach a course, uh, an online course called Spirit Talker Tribe. And um, I started like four years ago. And every year I have more and more students that are wanting to learn this, not for me to read them. I mean, it's great that some of them sure want me to do that, but it's more about them remembering how to reconnect, how to connect, how to understand that connection, how to embrace spirit in their own life, how to include spirit and to be part of that process that the indigenous people have had. You mentioned uh, the metaphor of being a musician. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, I think it is true that we are all capable of being a musician, but we need practice and we need to learn how to use the tools. of. And, and that's what I feel saddest part about people who are skeptics. They don't even pick up the guitar. Right. Okay. So our podcast is called The Canadian Love Map. I want to finish by asking you what is your definition of love? It seems to be woven through so much of, of what you do. How do you define it? I don't know if I can define it. The only thing I can say in regards to love is, is just silence, peace, presence, mindfulness, that there's nothing in that space to give you something physical to think about. Go stand in the sun and feel the warmth on your face. And just feel, I mean, especially now during summer, it's so warm and sunny out. I mean, you might not be able to do it very long, but go stand on the sun and just feel those rays on you, the warmth that is on you, that you can physically feel that. And that sun doesn't shine down on one person and different on another. It's unconditional. And love is like that. It's the light that is part of your life, whether you see it, it is there and it's unconditional. It's always been there. It's never been separate in your life. It's time to have a relationship with it. Be part of it, be one with it, and make it part of your consciousness. And maybe even be that sun for other people. Yeah. We're, we're all light to someone else's darkness, right? In a different way, whether it's through a podcast or you know, presentation or a book that you've just recently written. Congratulations, by the way. Uh, well, back at you. It's a big deal that you've got a uh, the publisher, Hay House, in the States. That's a, a really spectacular move, and it's going to take your your work to a broader audience. Well, I don't ever have that, like, ambition. Mm -hmm. All good things come to me. Where the creator wants me, it will bring to me. I don't seek out podcasts. I don't seek out things. I don't seek TV shows. I don't seek things. 
but they come to me. And why? Is it because I'm manifesting that? No. It's just the Creator wants me to be in service and provides a way for me to be of service, whether it's through as a publishing a book or through a TV show, through a podcast, whatever it may be. I am available for all good things that come into my life. You're just following the breadcrumbs. I just follow where they take me. <laughs> I just show up. <laughs> thank you for showing up. Thank you so much, Sean. Yeah, well, thank you, Nancy. Hello, my name is Sean Leonard, and I want to thank you for listening to the Canadian Love Map podcast with Nancy Regan. I had an incredible day uh, speaking with Nancy. I remember very well. And uh, Nancy is an incredible interviewer, a very special person, and uh, an amazing author in her own right. Since my interview, I've had a new book, or my new book come out, uh, Spirit Talker, which is published by Hey House Publishing. And on October 24th, I have another publishing thing coming out with Hay House, and it's the Wisdom of the Elders Oracle Card Deck. Uh, so please check them out. And most of all, check out the Canadian Love Map and all of the interviews with Nancy Reagan. Thank you. Malalan, I'm sitting off the box. Thanks so much for listening to the Canadian Love Map. If you love us, please subscribe and share. And if you want to help us spread the love even more, rate and review our podcast. We'll be back next week with another love story to add to the map. This podcast is presented and made possible by Charm Diamond Centers. It's hosted by me, Nancy Regan, and is produced and distributed by Podstarter. This has been a Podstarter production. production.